1: Welcome. Welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, uh, innovators, CEOs, artists, you name it. Uh, all, every every imaginable path you can take, but for really all of you that are taking a very unconventional path at the very same time, uh, many of you are probably anti-status quo, doing things differently, drawing outside the lines and playing outside the box you're not alone. You're very welcome, dear. You're very understood here. I and any one of my guests would say they did things very unconventionally as well. Uh, We've just recently passed 4 million downloads. I'm very, very grateful uh, for all of you and for many of you reaching out. For those of you that are a bit newer, my name is Matt Gottesman and I'm the founder. And if you guys want to interact with me on Instagram at Matt Gottesman for any other ventures or any way you want to just reach out to me, please do so. Uh, I, I welcome it. And of course, if you want to get in on the conversation of creativity, culture, and entrepreneurship at that intersection, at HDF Magazine. And of course, you can follow at Hustle Sold separately on Insta as well. And as you guys know, I bring on every week uh, really great guests. That we're just having very insanely raw discussions about the journey and what we're learning about ourselves and what we're learning about, or like the themes that have been closest to us and that's been helping us move through our first venture, our 50th venture, or you know, what we're building upon now that's really expanding and in efforts to really relay that to all of you. That we're all the same, we're all humans having human experiences, it's no different for anybody. Um, it's just the path might look different for each person, but everybody goes through similar and different things. And, uh, so we like to humanize that. And I've got a, a very, very good guest that I met, Ooh, maybe about three and a half years ago, ago, we're, we're going on a little bit of time and I've been wanting to have him on really since that time. Although there's been so many changes and so many things been going on. Um, so, uh, about a week or two ago, I was like, "You gotta come on! You gotta come on!" <laughs> and I was like, "Here, here's the link," <laughs> and and I, and I got him to come on. And um, I love it because he's got um, you know, two lives within a short time period of his lifespan in the grander, bigger scheme of things. Um, because uh, co- uh, my guest, first of all, my guest is is Costa Stoyanov, and he's co-founder of Uplived Life and and transformation facilitator and executive and leadership coaching. He's an entrepreneur. That started way back in '99 and probably even before then. Which is going to walk us through his his um, his journey a bit, and uh, and so I'm going to talk to about it because he had that life and then he had a, a transformation and it turned into his newer life. And by the way, it's all intertwined though. That's what I want all of you to realize that like everything that we go through, sometimes we don't realize how that actually impacts our future self in a lot of a multitude of different ways, right? Um, but we're going to be talking about, and something that's very close to him. And I I love the way he worded it. He said, the best way to create a business is to not treat it as a business, but an outpouring of love. And, um, before, you know, you guys wonder like, okay, yeah, no, I get, you, you hear love all the time. Not love like this. Like it's love in terms of when you're speaking from your truth and you're loving on your, your colleagues, your clients, your processes, your, um, how you deliver what you, your products and your services to these people, how, how you better understand them. How do you make it better for them? How you serve? Like when you're doing all of these things, your business takes off. If you're just tackling business, like I'm going to make a business, I'm going to do a business and make a lot of money. Yeah, you're in for a, a whole other side of things, which with both Costa and I can both speak on from different parts of our life. But to give you an idea, because back in 1999, uh, he was a, a wellness and fitness coach and consultant, and he was working inside a lot of the, the corporate world and um, helping them install uh, and set up you know wellness centers and gyms within the organization, if you will. Right. And um, he eventually developed that into a, a full-on company with other personal trainers that he then was dispatching to all of these companies in a multitude of places and whatnot. And in 2008, a lot of people remember this, no matter what age you are, um, between the recession and then the markets crashing, um, as he says, 2008 uh, crisis knocked him on his ass. It knocked a lot of people on their asses and it definitely, I felt a lot of it as well too. I been <laughs> went through all kinds of things. But from 2008 to 2009, he questioned his life a bit and had a series of miraculous and spiritual things happen to him. And that then led up to more today. And he's going to talk, we're going to talk about the the journey here in a minute. But um, so basically through his one-on-one coaching today and uh, transformation workshops and retreats, COSA has helped individuals and organizations experience and express their highest potential for over 15 years. His style of communication is both refreshing down to earth, which it was the first thing I felt the moment I met him, very grounding, um, helping to translate personal transformation and spiritual wisdom in a way that is applicable, relatable, and relevant to our everyday lives, something that a lot of people are needing right now, or, and hopefully have, the ones that have also had it already, we're, we're finding it very good prep work. And uh, in a simple, easily digestible, yet extremely potent way, he nudges guides and supports others to move beyond their self-limiting and blockages as they embark on the journey from where they are. To where they choose to be and he does so by helping them get out of their own way and reconnect with their purpose wisdom and potential of their highest self this dude is a genius so like you know you guys know like I I, I love I love transformation and personal growth just want to put this out there real quick um, but I'm also very particular about where the information is coming from okay so uh, and he's one of those people that I, I highly recommend and in addition to working privately with individuals worldwide, Uh, He assists inspired leaders and visionaries with organizations who are looking to expand their awareness and positively affect their lives on others and his mission has been the same since I met him and long before then which was to inspire empower and support those who are passionate about evolving into their best selves and who genuinely care about the legacy that they leave behind. Uh, And a lot of his people he calls uplifters. Uh, His content is phenomenal. That's actually how uh, through a a, a mutual and really good friend, Nicole, um, I was introduced to his brand. And uh, his content was going viral on Facebook at the same time I was going on Instagram. like, I like this guy. (laughs) So, Costa, how's it going? Thank you for being on the show.
0: Hey, Matt. No, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. Amazing.
1: Absolutely. So we're just going to dive right in. Yeah, go for it. How did we get here? Like, I know I started talking about 1989. Today, yeah. w- walk us through because your your story is phenomenal, and you know you can obviously paraphrase parts, and you can share as much as you want or as little as you want. But it was just phenomenal when you first told me, and I want to I give the context to everybody what you went yeah. through.
0: Now, it's interesting because as you were kind of introducing me there i had a flashback of you know like we all start with this unconventional way of getting into entrepreneurship and I had this flashback I, I haven't thought about this in such a long time i was <clears throat> i would say about what 15 16 years old and i would go and buy hockey cards baseball cards you know football cards from a distributor that i found on you know in the new in the newspaper i would go down use my my money that i would get while i was working at a, at a local shop near my house i would take all my money run down to the store pick up a whole bunch of boxes of, of baseball cards and sports cards and i would go into these flea markets and sell them to the people that had booths there like i mean i, I like I, I i i totally forgot about that so somewhere inside of me i always had the desire to do something for myself you know like there was yes. always this you know, like like now we call it like a side hustle, right? But I al- I always had this the entrepreneurial spirit of of doing something for myself. So I was always in sales. So I, as you were introducing, I was like, "Yeah, that is true, man." That, this started for me a long time ago. You know,
1: I do know six years old for me, baseball cards <laughs> selling, like selling, selling, selling uh, friendship bracelets at school that I wasn't allowed to sell, at, <laughs> like a million other entrepreneurial ventures at six and seven years old. But uh, yeah, I totally get you.
0: Yeah. So anyways, a long story short of how I got to be where I am right now. Um, I got into sales when I was really, really young. Uh, Didn't graduate from high school. Really not the traditional way of kind of going about things. I didn't graduate. I hated school. I wasn't into, you know, I wasn't an academic. So I knew very early on that this wasn't going to be my path. So I just kind of did what I needed to do, get out of school. Like I said, didn't graduate, got myself a job, job, got myself a job in sales at a very young age made some pretty good money but then i realized that you know i wasn't happy i was going i, I was you know 17 18 19 years old back then making about 35 40 45000 a year so I, I was making money but i wasn't really um, passionate about what i was doing i wasn't fulfilled something inside of me was keep you know kept on just gnawing at me like you got more to offer there's more to you than just this. There's more to you than just being a salesperson for, for someone else. So again, a long story short, what I decided to do was you know, quit that uh, and go back to night school, get my credits and somehow get back into school, which, which I did. And so my formal background is in psychology and kinesiology. I get out of university with these two degrees. I spent five years in university. I get out and I'm overly qualified. Nobody's gonna hire me. And by that time, I'm living with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, we've been together for 28 years, which is kind of cool. And she's like, you know, and we just moved into our apartment. She says like, dude, like you got these degrees, you went for five years, you know, uh, what? We, like we need to pay the rent. So to make a long story short, what I ended up doing after five years of going to university, trying to better myself, um, having two degrees, I, I get out of there, no job, And I have to go look in the newspaper, and I find a job at, you know, in in a local store here that sells fitness equipment. So I have to bite my ego, right, and kind of say, (laughs) I left, you know, from a sales job, going into university to better myself academically, thinking that I'm going to be happier and more fulfilled if I go through that process. I come out of there with... Two degrees and no job, yeah. and now I have to go back. And now I have to go back into sales, right? Because I, I need to pay the rent. Because nobody's going to hire me. You know, I couldn't get a job for the life of me. I couldn't get a job, and so I go back into sales. And you know, when life kind of, you know, just kind of gives you these taps when you know, doors open, and if you're ready to listen, something may something amazing is going to happen. So I think it was maybe a, a year into working for that company, which I kind of loved, right? fitness was always something that inspired me as a kid. I, I had a weight loss, uh, I, I, I had a weight issue. I was, uh, you know, quite, quite chunky when I was a kid. I had a stuttering problem, went to the gym when I was a kid, began to meditate, corrected my speech problem. And so, you know, fitness was part of my life. And so when I went and I got this job at this uh, store, I was still doing something that I loved. I would be the first one in the last one out. I've stepped on my pride, stepped on my ego, you know, you know, always there to give the best to the client. Although that's not what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to go you know, to university so I can come out and do something for myself. But, um, I did that. I, I was the best that I could have been, you know, doing what I was told to do. And one day this guy comes up to me and he says, Hey, you know, um, you know, anyway, it's long story. This guy kept on coming in, buying dumbbells. Nobody wanted to serve this guy. So I just kept on serving this guy. He would come every week, every week. One day he turns around to me and says, you know, there's something special about you, kid. I was like, well, okay, you know, I- interesting. He goes, what are you doing here? You're worth more than just selling fitness equipment. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You know, this is my story. This is where I come from. He goes, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And now it, sound, it sounds so cliche, but back then it was like, a, he blew my mind. He goes... You're always gonna work like this unless you figure out what is it that you truly love and that you would do it for free, but find a way of getting paid. And and he took a dumbbell, you know, he took his dumbbells and he left. And that never that those that sentence kind of like planted a seed in me. And next thing you know, I get the opportunity to become a personal trainer, to take my 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 um, education and to bring it into you know the corporate world. And so that, that was how I got into the wellness and fitness and executive coaching in terms of wellness and and fitness.
1: Mm. You know, and and it's interesting too, because (laughs) those little signs along the way and like those little, those little nudges from like people like that. And yeah, I mean, you know, back then though, to be told something like that, you kidding me? Nobody was telling us that publicly (laughs) at that time. No, and
0: it wasn't a plan. It was like you know, I just followed the yellow brick road. Like, you know, we needed uh, money. I went to work. I showed up. I did my best. I cared about the client. I up, you know, cared about the people that hired me. I was grateful. So that type of energy, I believe, brings things to you. And that person that came and just kind of expressed himself that way, I, I truly believe that that was a messenger sent just to kind of like plant that seed to get me going where I need to be going. And so as long as we are showing up and doing our best, um, I really believe that life meets us there.
1: Absolutely. I I think that the important, it's sort of like there's a a famous expression, um, God helps those who help themselves, right? Mm. Um, And that kind of really more so because whether God, universe, source, you know, or inner, but like the idea of when we show up, you know yeah. is when the messengers and when the like the the, the the things happen right all the things right because we're we're able to to show up and um so here's a question for you when yep. you before what was leading up to the crash and like in 2008 and what happened that you were like this was this was a route I'm proud that I did yep. it but this is no longer being done this way
0: yeah. So, I mean, so I started my business officially in 2000, I I, would imagine, I think it was around 99, 2000, uh, you know, the fitness and wellness company. I loved what I did. I was hustling, uh, like hustling, like there's no tomorrow, you know, basically working 16 hours a day, not seeing the days go, 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 go by because I was loving what I was doing at that time. You know, a few years into it, I was, I got married. Um, my wife got pregnant, and the moment that she got pregnant, I would say like tooth, you know, the the moment that she got pregnant and we kind of like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to support a family? Um, the floodgates opened. It was like a, a miracle. I just get, you know, kept getting busier, more contracts. The company grew. I added people. And so I was like, oh, now is the time to ride this wave, right? And I'll spare you the details of my background, but I really was let me make as much money as i can because if the shit hits the fan i don't want to go through what i went through as a kid with my father declaring bankruptcy so in the background that was what always was pushing me to be go 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 hustle 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 perform get as much as you can even though i was doing it from a space of i love my clients i love what i do i'm so grateful i'm so i'm so appreciative the background was all of all it was filled with fear anxiety uh, survival stress. What if I don't have enough? What I can? What if I can't provide for my parents? Uh for my parents, for my family—the way my parents can provide for us when we were kids. And so, I worked, worked, worked. Hustled, hustled, hustled. Built, built the company. Put some money. Put a lot of money in the bank. Began to invest it in the stock market because you know by, at that time I had some pretty good friends and clients that were all investing. And the next thing you know, two thousand and eight hits. And I lose eighty to eighty-five percent of all of our savings. Mm. You know, everything just kind of just collapsed. I don't know if you remember two thousand and eight, but that was a real shit show, right? Yes. And so everything that I did um, to provide for my family, to feel some sort of safety, you know, to feel like I I was going to be okay, or to feel like I was successful, like I wasn't like my father, I wasn't going to give this type of life to my family, it crumbled in a space of a few months. Everything just went to shit, and that hit me like a ton of bricks. I really that was the end of me I didn't know what to do I was so depressed I was so down um but thank god that my wife was there and she was like okay like what's what's the big deal you know we came from nothing if we need to sell the house tell me we're gonna sell the house and we'll just move back into an apartment we were happy back then we're gonna be happy once again it's not a big deal like when I told her that we lost everything she she her her um, reply her reaction was as if I just lost my favorite baseball cap. It was like, okay, not a big deal. It's just money. Tell me, do we need to sell the house cuz our, you know, like, I'll start to prepare it. You know, uh, but if we don't, then, you know, we are about to learn something. And those words that we are about to learn something were transformational for me. It just allowed me to accept the shitstorm that I was experiencing. And for some reason, you know, not that I didn't love training people, the wellness world, the, you know, the fitness world, I knew because of of the way that I was dealing with my clients back then, I knew that there was something that I needed to share in in terms of there's something going on inside of us that is creating the world that we live out there. The world out there is a reflection of what's happening in our internal world. I knew that personally because that's the way that I changed my body. That's the way that I changed my health. That's the way that I changed my life. But I recognized that the, the majority of the work that I was doing with my clients had everything to do with changing their relationship with themselves, changing their relationship with the way that they engaged with life, changing their perspective of things. You know, if they were, if their relationship with themselves uh, was a negative one, if the way that they viewed the world was, uh, you know, um, negative, like from from a space of survival, no matter what we did in terms of nutrition and fitness and losing weight, nothing really changed long-term. They would lose the weight, they would get healthier, the weight would come back and they would still be miserable. No matter no matter what they attained externally, if they didn't take care of the internal world, nothing would truly transform long-term. And that was the first thing that just kind of, the first realization that blew my mind. It's like, I want to bring this truth that has actually transformed my life into and share it with as many people as possible. And so I lost everything in 2008. By 2010, I had closed down my business, um, recognizing that i couldn't do the fitness thing anymore but i was going towards this thing that i didn't even know what it was going to be i didn't even know what i was going to call myself to be honest with you i was just there there's certain teachings certain tools certain truths that i need to share and i'm just going to go out there and see where life brings me the first year of kind of being a coach or you know a life coach or a spiritual coach or whatever you want to call it i, I made 15 grand like i think i People pay me more with cookies and, and, and cakes than they did with money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the way that one thing transformed it into another. There was a calling that I couldn't turn off. It was like, you need to let go of the, your old world. You know, um, the beginning of 2008 and all that shitstorm that came was to break things down so you can find your next breakthrough. And I just surrendered to the whole process. I knew what I was inspired to do there was an internal ins- feeling of inspiration of being of service and to share because because at that moment of time many people were going through what I was going through you know um, survival stress having lost everything a, a lot of anxiety and so the way that I managed to navigate the shitstorm I realized was pr- preparing me to share it with others that were going through their own shitstorms you know, does that make sense it makes it, com- it was like like my breakdown, you know, in 2008 and even before was becoming the manual that I would hand over to those that I was meant to serve.
1: Absolutely. And I
0: just listened to that calling. I just got out of my own way. I said, you know what, as long as we have the, the basics, food, shelter, clothing, you know, the things that we need to be okay, love, you know, I was going to surrender to something greater and I was just going to follow what do, where do I need to go next? I trusted that there would be doors to, that would open, connections would be made if I just put myself in service of something greater. And that's the best way that I can explain it. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, dots are connecting. People are coming in, you know, in, in my life. Um, uh, ideas and insights are popping in. And it just expanded and, and expanded into what is now uplifted life.
1: You know, I have a lot of things I want to say. <laughs> no, because Sorry,
0: it, man. I just went on that rant over there. About, oh, you
1: know. no, 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 no. I, 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 no matter what, I've had people go 10 minutes, and I've had to actually people go 40 minutes, and I never, I don't cut them off because <laughs> I think that they're in flow, and you have to allow it, you know? Um, no, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I said this to you way back when when you told me your story, and I'm going to say this now so the rest of the world can hear, Um what a great partner you have in your spouse. Yeah. Because because (laughs) it's nice to have a partner when we are in our own way that can simplify... Sometimes, especially as speaking, I'm right now, I'm just speaking as a man from a man to another Mm -hmm. man that kind of wanting of like because of the way sometimes it's instilled in us, like we will take care of things. We will, we will, we will, you know, we'll set things up. We'll, you know, all of these (laughs) narratives (laughs) that are in our head sometimes that only sometimes even end up taking more control over us. Um, And so to have a partner that that is the way she is and was and, you know, spoke to you the way she did way back when. Um, how fortunate to kind of give you that perspective in a moment when, you know, um, we lose that quote unquote security that gets thrown out in the, in the world, oh, yeah. you know, cause that's, that's the, the narrative a lot of times like, Oh, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Oh, you're this. Are you going to be a secure man? It's like, uh, well, my character says I am that I'll be able to adapt to any, uh, life, uh, that whatever throws at me, but thank you if you're talking about money and metrics. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I, I, I want to commend that. And then the other thing is, uh, too, is that, uh, and thank you for being very open and vulnerable about, you know, the, the, the process Um, I know anybody listening is, is hearing you say you got to let it all go and then trust each, um, you know, intuitive decision that was happening about where to go next. That is where the majority, if not like 99.9999% of the people fail not fail but like struggle. I should say struggle with that because it is a hard thing to let go of your old narrative. Now I've I've since we've met taken yep. tremendous strides in doing that and actually started embracing also having a lot more fun with life. You know, like I felt bad. I was like, when did I stop having fun? <laughs> you know. But but for anybody listening, uh, talk through a little bit about that process. Like that letting go is not always an easy thing. People hear it all the time. Yes, yes, I know. I need to let it go. What does that really mean? Like, what, what, are, think, what are some of those things that you're doing in those moments?
0: Yeah, I think you can let go once you have a expanded level of awareness about what life is all about, right? And so I had firsthand experience of living the life that people told me that if I lived it, I was going to be happy. Mm. You know, be an entrepreneur, you're going to be happy. I became an entrepreneur. Be successful financially, you know, and you're going to be happy you're going to feel free i made a lot of money do what you love right i loved what i did right it was really aligned with my with my with my soul because the pain that i felt as a kid growing up with a weight issue and health issues now is passing it forward right so all of those markers you know were were hit but yet i wasn't happy you know the more money i, I made it, it, i was comfortable but i wasn't happy you know like, you, like, I told myself, as soon as I make $100,000 a year, I'm gonna be happy. I made $100,000 a year, the happiness lasted for a week or two, and that went away. It was like a chocolate high. And so every marker that I that I attained, that the world told me, conditioned me, programmed me, that if you do this, you will gonna, you're gonna feel complete, you're gonna feel free, you will be happy, you will feel successful, none of it lasted. It was mm. all bullshit. And this is just personal, right? And so when everything fell to shit, I, I realized that I spent all of my life controlling the external variables to be the way that I wanted them to be in order for me to be happy, and to feel some sort of self-worth, recognition, value, safe. And it never brought it to me from the outside in. And that recognition really was the epiphany that I needed to say. Man, I tried to control every single variable to make sure that my family would be safe, we would live well, we would have what we need, and look at what happened. The more I tried to – the more that I looked back at my life and the more that I hustled and grinded and sacrificed and controlled all of the variables, nothing worked. Mm -hmm. It always – it worked short term and it never worked long term. It never brought me what I – what I really, really craved for, which was true happiness, true freedom, true abundance and, you know, just joy, peace. And I also had a bunch of clients that I was working with that were m- mega-wealthy, multi-millionaires, and they were reporting back the same thing: Costa, it's not about the money. Trust me. I envy your life. You don't have that much responsibility. You have 10 employees. Don't go bigger because I was driving and hustling to make it bigger and grow and make more money. And that's why I got into investments and then I made money on, on the stock market. But then I had a few mentors in there or at least a few honest and genuine, you know, uh, the clients and friends that became friends that kept on telling me no, no dollar sign will ever bring you true happiness unless you get the inside right. And somehow that kind of rang a bell, but it only rang a bell when I hit the wall. You know, before I, I hit my wall, I was like, yeah, that's a good story, but I'll make another million and then I'll talk to you then.
1: <laughs> and so,
0: you know, but I mean, I mean, that, yeah. that was my attitude. No,
1: like, I, I'm uh, laughing because uh, I, I get it. You know, I'll,
0: yeah, I'll make another million and then I'll talk to you then. Right. I mean, yeah, let me get my Ferrari and then we'll talk. Right. But that I realized that I was setting myself up if I was to continue doing this the You know, living my life in, in in the same way, with the same perspective, through the same lens, through the same insecurities, through the same desire to control, through the st- same level of stress and seriousness, through, through the same level of survival, of getting it right, that I was going to get the same results 10, 20 years down the road. And that kind of just said to me, look, that wasn't working. You got to do things differently. And so the more that I kind of leaned into my fears, leaned into my in- insecurities, did the inner work of figuring out where are all these fears coming from? Looking at my childhood, it's like, oh, that's my programming. That's why I'm hustling and grinding and, and, do- and, 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 and doing all the things that I'm doing. I'm trying to be safe. I'm trying to create a, a, an environment where I'm gonna feel safe and not threatened. I'm, I'm trying to avoid the pains that I experienced when I was a kid and it wasn't working. So what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is like fuck it. Let me just follow, follow what's inside of me. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I had something to give. I cared about, you know, bringing lightness and joy and freedom and peace into people's lives. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. But I realized that the more that I controlled things, you know, that it wasn't going to work because I, I had the previous experience of you know, the previous experience of it not working. I also had other examples of people who tried to do things by controlling the externals of their world and still getting to a place that didn't look so good. And so the surrender and the acceptance and the letting go, but trusting and and taking action, of course, was kind of almost driven into me through experience.
1: I like that you looked at a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the triggers and the childhood you know where did it all come from where did it stem from i think that when when people slow down present company included meaning me <laughs> what uh, sure. i what i had noticed is when i started to slow down and i started to really like look at different times of my life like where did that just the ability to slow down and say where does that come from dude like uh, yeah. I, lo- I love you matt like where does that come from by the way i so for anybody listening just because i i, I have to credit you and i've credited you before but um, recently somebody even reached out to me about this because I spoke on it a long while back, but, um, making friends with your ego, you were the one who actually ended up taught, ta- that taught me that when we had our, one of our first calls, uh, way back when, which was that yeah. whole, um, the, you I remember you, the way you put it to me was, Matt, you can't get rid of the ego. That's not like something that's just, that <laughs> you're just getting, yeah. and, and nor do we, nor do we want to, which I want you to expand on it to, to everybody that's sure. listening, um, but you, you said nor do, nor do you you want to get rid of that's not really what it's there to do but you want to have a relationship with it and yeah. I ended up learning from that that was a very important tactic to me because I would basically when I would see my ego act up I'd be like hey listen I totally get you dude like you're trying to protect me of course you would you know what happens with like you know shit hits the fan and this and that and that but can I ask you ego like can I just ask you like you and I kind of want the same thing, right? Like we want this as an outcome, and like I can actually hear my ego be like, "Yeah, like why are you acknowledge me, dude? Like why? <laughs> what is that about?" And it, it was, but it was such an effective, powerful tool for me. Um, and because then I would say, oh, "Listen, I get it. You're trying to protect me, but I don't want you to fear." And thank you for the signal that you're just trying to say, "Hey, like this is coming up." I appreciate it that this is coming up. Thank you, because now I'm going to think a little bit about it. But I still to move forward the way I know we need to move forward this is what we're going to do and I so I established this relationship this inner relationship with my ego in a way so that way I could work with it versus um because you were saying like the more you fight it it will win and mm-hmm. that was powerful to me and so I'd love for you to talk about that you know because I thought that was so impactful but I, I believe that the reason why to tie it all in, of course, is the reason why people have a hard time of letting go and a hard time asking themselves those questions and a hard time of like taking a, a, a more inner look at their themselves is because of this weirdly subconscious or conscious uh, attachment to their ego that they don't even realize is actually happening, or is that it, or their ego driving them in the way that it is?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think. Um... If I visit that conversation, I think I said negotiate with yes, negotiate your ego. Yes, negotiate with your ego. Yes, negotiate yeah. with your ego. yes. You know, having you know because your ego. I mean, what we call an ego is a mental construct that we put together of who we believe we are. Right. So, you know, from the day when we kind of jump into this game called human, we're we're taking in raw data, converting it into information, and that information is to serve one purpose: to nav, you know, to to navigate the world out there in a way that we are safe. It's basically we are hardwired for survival. And so the ego is this mental construct that we put together that we believe is who we are, right? I am Costa, but reality Costa is a name that I was given to me, right? Everything that I know about myself and the world, you know, from a superficial level, unless I do the the in, you know, the in-depth work, it's just what the world out there has told me about the world and about who I am and what I'm supposed to be and what is supposed, you know, what makes me happy, what's good, what's right, what's wrong. Um, And so that's what the ego is. It's just a collection of all this information that we put together and we use that information to navigate the world out there. Right? So when I go out and I introduce myself, I introduce myself as Costa, this guy who's a co-founder of this and that, and that's just the information about me but it's not really who I am, right? It's not that that deepest level of who I am. And so that, you know, what what we call the ego, the only thing that it wants, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just wants to navigate the world out there in a very safe and predictable, controllable manner. And so when I kind of realized that my ego or that mental construct wasn't my enemy, I just needed to make sure that I knew that there was the ego version of myself, but there was also the other, the, the conscious version of myself that can actually look at the ego and say, oh, I see how you're actually constructed. And I also see your purpose. Your purpose is to just get me to feel safe, to feel comfortable, you know, to, to, to navigate reality out there. So I don't want to crush you. I don't want to make you into a problem. I want to befriend you. I actually want to negotiate with you. Like, what are you worried about? What What are you afraid of? So let me create a peaceful relationship with my ego. And, and and since it's it's a mental construct, it's basically the story of me. Why not create an ego like that's that's peaceful, that's happy, that is content, that is not, you know, that, that is not fearful. And so I, I began to 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 have a very friendly and open relationship with my ego. It wasn't something that I needed to, you know, to to, to control or to get rid of. I needed to work with it.
1: Hmm.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. No. You're absolutely right. It was a negotiate with your ego. Uh, Yeah, it's like
0: you know, like so. Let me give you an example. Your ego or part of you says, "Costa, you will never feel safe unless you make whatever two hundred thousand dollars a year, Costa." Mm -hmm. You know, and so so then there's you know there's another part of me that could either can listen to that. And say, yeah, that's right, two hundred thousand, because I read an article here, and that's what it makes. You know, this is what it is to be successful. This is what I need to own. This is how much money I have to have in my investments, because that's all data that I took from the external world, right? But but then there's a part of me that can actually question that and say, ask ask the question: Is it actually true that Costa, you need to have two hundred to make two hundred thousand dollars a year for you to be happy? Is it true? The moment that you ask your that part of your brain, let's call it the ego construct, you're, it, It's going to answer you back. It's going to say, "Well, maybe not two hundred because you know reality is we made you know eighty thousand when we were happy." So then you begin to negotiate with it. It's like, "So hey, you know, what if we didn't sacrifice family time, health time to go run after two hundred thousand? You know, sacrifice our values and what really matters to us. What if we just did what we love? You know, because that's what's happy, You know, happiness is, and that's what freedom is." And if we make 80 grand, we're cool. And, and then that part of your brain says, okay, cool. So <laughs> we are like, so, so you en- engage with it. You, you create a relationship with it. You negotiate with it. You kind of say, hey, you know what? I know you are afraid to public speak. I get it. I know when you were a kid, you stuttered, people laughed at you, you weren't understood. I know there's a lot of pain there, but you know what? Let's get up on stage. And if we fall face first and nothing works out, what's the biggest, what's the big deal? They're gonna laugh, so what? Ready to get on stage? And when you take the time to negotiate with your ego, to make it feel safe, it's gonna follow you. It's, a, it's an extension of you. It's just that part that, that you use to play in the world of 3D, in, in the world out there. It's not your enemy. But if it's operating independent of you and it's operating through fear, anxiety, worry, survival, stress in the future with, you know, with anticipation and the need to control, then it runs your life. And, and, and an ego that's constructed that way will bring misery into your life. That's where, that's the problem. But if you have a healthy relationship with your ego, with your ego if you understand what your ego is, it's not a problem.
1: I love that. Um because we, you know, allowing it to operate independent of us is usually where the uh, <laughs> is usually where the the hiccups come along. You know, and, uh, exactly.
0: It's when that voice inside the head takes over. Yeah, and you believe yourself that you know you're the voice inside the head, and you don't even question it. And so that voice inside your head, if you know the makeup of it, it's gonna talk shit seventy five to eighty percent of the time. It's operating through you know, the negativity bias, it's operating through, it's trying to keep you safe. So it's always looking at what's missing, what's wrong, where's the potential loss, where's the potential pain. And if you listen to it, you get hijacked by it where there is no higher level of consciousness and it's your ego or the voice inside your head that's actually calling the shots. You're you're not fundamentally free and you will never actually be happy.
1: Well, and what's interesting, too, is by breaking it down that way and negotiating and getting yourself into a place of freedom and happiness, expansion actually happens almost <laughs> concurrently from doing that because it's sort of sort of like, uh, I mean, the one of our last guests brought up, I didn't know realize it was a, an ancient Japanese proverb. I just knew it was something that we if we slow down, we can actually speed a lot of other areas of our life up. And, um, sure. you know, and in doing so, it's interesting when you hear about what you're saying with negotiating with your ego, yeah, yeah, actually I would be cool with 80. Cool. And now I'm, I'm going to have more time and some more freedom and I'm, uh, I'm going to be spending time with, with family and that feels really good. When we are in a heightened state of the way we feel, we actually end up attracting more and bringing more and being able to handle more, but not in a stressful manner, but in, in a manner that was already well received because we would already had negotiated with ourselves to be in a, in a, in a better vibration, if you will, a better frequency.
0: Exactly. You know? Exactly. The moment that you kind of settle things with your ego and your ego says, okay, cool. I'm happy with that. I'm content. I'll feel safe with that. Let's do what we love, right? So now your energy field is open. You're very much in a receptive state of being. Your state of being is everything, by the way, right? Your state of... Your state of being when when it's open and light, and in the state of abundance, and you're you know content with your life, you're you're appreciative of what's there, you're grateful. The the magic that happens is you you know you want eighty, but you get one hundred and eighty, and you're like I don't even believe it, but you didn't expect it. It was like you know I, I I was sincerely happy with eighty. I love what I do. I care about my clients. I care what you know. I value the fact that I have a lot of time with my family. I value the simplicity of, of life. You know, I'm, I'm truly like you can't bullshit yourself, right? I'm truly in a space of contentment and appreciation. And then because of your energy field and because you're not hungry with this, like, I need to make the sale. I need to grow the numbers. I, I have to survive You know, this, this eternal hustle and, and, and grind and hunger that you have inside of you. It's very much survival and stress based. So you're very closed up. Your energy field is tight you, when you're in that state. But when you're open and light and receptive, what ends up happening is the way that you engage with the world, the way that you engage with your, 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 your team, the way that you engage with your clients, it's so much lighter, so much more open that things connect. You get more clients, more doors open, and you're like, oh, my God, that's a, that's, that's a miracle. Things find you, and you're like, I can't even believe you know, how things are opening up for us and you're not even trying. Yeah. You're not gr- you're not grinding. You're doing you're executing, right? You're getting better at your, you know, at, at your trade, you're do you're taking action. You're just not sitting, you know, eating nachos and watching Netflix. You're going out there and you're doing what you need to do. But first of all, you love what you do. You're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it from a space like I gotta succeed. You're doing it from a place of let me be of service, let me outpour. And that vibration, that energy brings back more and more of of, of the things that you truly value, of of the things that are important, of things that make you feel good.
1: And that's the part that I think that people sometimes um, miss is that um, you, by being more vibrationally aligned, you actually, and uh, more statistically, make even more money you actually yeah. do thrive more financially because it's in your natural when you're in your natural state of being, you know, and it's it's you're absolutely right, by the way, because I've had some <laughs> some things happen where like you wouldn't even like where did that come from? But um, but it, it attracted in a, a some money or deals or just certain things that like are now and they've been continuing to be ongoing in my life now where I'm like, it's an incredible relationship. And what is the number one reason that I was told? There's something about you. I, I really appreciate your integrity and your honesty and your flow and your communication style and you, your happiness exactly. and like all these things that you're like for what you're really showing up as. And you're like, thank you. I receive that. Like, I just want to work with you. And I'm like, that's great. How do we do that? Like, let's do something, you know, it, it, where it's, you know, and then it's really well received and, it, and it's grown. And, uh, and so watching that is an impeccable thing, and especially because. You're just doing more of what you already love to do, and that's what you're even being asked to do. You're like, wait a minute, you want me to do more of just this? You're like, yeah, like yep. yeah, and just you know, and and guide it, and that'll be your your side of things. And like, cool, <laughs> you know. So yep. I I definitely agree. And, and by the way, I'm also glad you brought up hustle porn, um, because I well, that's what you know. It I didn't make that term <laughs> up. Obviously, it's out there, um, what it's been called, and and all that other stuff. Um, yeah. And while this show is called Hustle Sold Separately uh, and uh, you know Hustle and Deal Flow with HDF Magazine, um, I it was funny because I got in at a time where I didn't really know Gary Vee and there was only one or two other people that were using the term. That's how, how far back actually the brand goes. And I equated Hustle as... Work the work, and I've said this on posts years ago the work that is required in all areas of your life to assess what it is like, how do you better the you know, you're here for your purpose and to better all the areas of your life. The rest of the social media world went and just decimated that word mm-hmm. and really this idea of, you know, uh, well, Beyonce's got 24 hours, what'd you do today? And just grind and like. And no sleep, and no this, and I, I am, I am, I am appreciative that I, I've noticed that Gary has actually talked a lot more in more recent years about like, oh no, I sleep eight your eight hours every night, like he, and that he says like I love what I do, I've got the people around me to kind of help expand that, you know, so he, yep. he's definitely talking a little bit more about the inner, but I I too really I, I was not a fan of that narrative, um, because if all you're doing is hustling and constantly grinding it out, you're only making decisions based on every day, uh, which is somewhat of what I've talked about with meditation and other things, but you're only making decisions based on everything that has led up till till now. You're not actually like sitting and slowing things down and being present and setting things up for where you're heading. You're just operating from a place of constant like past anxiety and stress and all these other things that will never, you you will forever be in a hamster wheel in that way. Exactly. So exactly,
0: exactly, exactly. And so, you know, the definition of hustle, if it's hijacked by an ego that is based on survival, me, mine, more, where I am is not enough. Mm. If it's you know, if it's hijacked from a level of stress, scarcity, lack, then it's gonna get converted into grinding and sacrificing and pushing. But think about that energy. Like you're in a constant war all the time. Oof. Hunger. You have to be hungry and you have to be hungry. How many motivational teachers we, we, do we hear? It's like, you know, they, they glamorize the hunger, the hustle, the grind. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, man, you're, you're in a war all the time. Didn't you become an, a, an entrepreneur or, you know, to kind of move towards freedom and joy? I mean, that's, that, that's what you wanted. But by, by letting your ego, you know, define what hustle is, you know, and not correcting what's going on inside of you, you're always going to be caught in this perpetual ham- hamster wheel you're always going to be grinding no matter what you attain you will always feel hungry could you imagine living in a constant you know a state of hunger that's called survival man that's not where i want to go as a human being and but it's glamorized you know and the reason why it's glamorized and the reason why it catches on is because you know the people that are marketing that they understand that we are operating from a survival brain that's that hardwired for for survival, and so that type of language, the warrior, the hustler, the grinder, the go-getter, very much sticks to that part of our brain, and we can sell anybody anything when we tune into that part of their brain. We, we make them feel like they're not good enough unless they're working 16, 17 hours a day, unless they're grinding it out, unless they're doing what they need to do, they need to sacrifice, because if you don't sacrifice, you're a pussy, you know? But yeah. then, I mean, think think about that. think yeah. about that energy. You're constantly in survival mode, you're constantly in stress mode. So no matter how much you make, you will never be happy. Because you're priming yourself to look at what's always missing. And so when I kind of realized that, and I remember having this discussion when we first met, and when the way that you defined hustle, I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's like, this is all about flow, because you added the flow part in. Yeah, oh yeah. When you're doing, When you're doing what you love, when you're connected with who you truly are, when you see the bigger picture of it's all about evolution and contribution, and outpouring, and you live your life in alignment with with what life wants. Right? Life wants me to be open and 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 light. And that's why if I could bring that into the world and touch another person's life that way, I'm in align. I'm in alignment with life with what life wants. And I know that if if I'm in alignment with the universe or life or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to be supported. I don't need to sacrifice and be hungry and hustle and grind. Yes, I need to get up and do what I need to do, but I will do it with that flow. I will do it with a sense of inspiration. I will do it from a space of meaning and purpose. And there's going to be a playful playfulness to me. And if the moment that I lose that playfulness, it's over. The more the moment that I made the 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 game into a serious game, I know that I'm just going in the wrong direction. I just drifted, and so. I just conditioned myself and program myself and practice to value my a state of being that is flow, and mm. from that state of being that is flow, that is open, that is playful. You kind of hustle, you know, like you get up, you do your things, you have your routine. You, you like you pick up, you, you know, like you make you you con- you know connect the clients. You read, you do something to to evolve your vision towards your vision, but it's fun.
1: That's it's exactly
0: fun. It's playful, it's inspirational. You can't even turn it off. That's off. I mean there is no work and life. It's like your whole this is your life. And so this is what, you know, what I bring to the entrepreneurs that I coach. You know, and what uplifted life is all about. We get called in to work with, you know, executives and companies and organizations and people that kind of understood that. That say, "You know what? Unless my team or my leadership or the c- company culture is not one of openness and lightness and trust and joy and inspiration and safety and connection and meaning and purpose, no matter what we w- we're going to accomplish, it's never going to be e- enough. And so the entrepreneurs that we work with are like, you know, I need to get my own head on straight and then I need to get, you know, the head of my leadership core. And that's going to have a trickle of, you know, a trickle down effect. And if we ke- if we create a company with this type of mindset or this type of philosophy, this type of culture, they realize that performance goes up, profits go up, everybody's having more fun, they have a significance to what they do, and it's not about what can I get, how much more can we get, how can we beat last year's numbers? It's like, how can we become better? How can we contribute? How can we have more fun? And when they build that into their organizations, the magic that happens is profits go up. But that's the, that's the byproduct.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of... Um... Uh, you know, and I don't know if you have you heard about the whole conscious capitalism movement. Sure. Yeah. 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 And it's been around for a minute, and it was interesting. Uh, a friend of mine uh, from years ago, he was showing me the studies um, because he's part of the board here in, in Arizona, and um, he was showing me the studies about when there's more um, playfulness and self awareness and um, knowing having a, a strong inner um, core. And um, then you, it bleeds over into your uh, employees, and and they're around that, and that you're constantly doing what you love for the customers, Um, longer customer retention, longer retention of employees, higher productivity, higher efficiency, higher profitability. Mm -hmm. Less waste, like, and he is interesting because he actually showed me the, <laughs> yeah. he showed me these case studies. These were case studies um, that were showing the difference between your traditional corporate America or just corporations in general, and then your more conscious capital based type of uh, corporations. And it was fascinating to watch the to see that the uh, the statistics so drastically different. Um, And then, and then that also bleeds over into their overall health and wellness of, of their people all involved and the, and, and a whole other reason why that they, these companies were blasting off is because of that, you know, all of those components, right? And so it just kind of really just goes to show you that, um, that you can't like it's okay to, to be to, to tackle all of these things and to be vulnerable and to get into, you know, why we do things and to understand emotions. And don't worry, Mr. and Ms. You know, CEO. You're going to be even more profitable. <laughs> like, don't worry. Yeah. Like, about you're not letting go to not care. I think that sometimes is the issue. Is that And and that's where the hustle stuff sometimes comes in. Is that and you get a lot of people who are like still really. <laughs> I love the ones that are like constantly yelling, and I'm like, look, are you just trying to fill the holes? Like, I, I get it. Like, you're right. It does take a lot of work. Absolutely, it takes a tremendous amount of work. And I would never. I would never. Um, devalue that because I, I believe in work integrity. But what you're but make sure that you're not preaching to fill holes, but you're preaching about the integrity, the importance of doing great work for the things that you really believe in, and that you're not losing an identity, you know, and trying to gain one, but that you're actually it's in reverse, you're you know, you're letting go to be exactly who you are. And I think that that when that that's you know happening. Um, that's really magic. And then there was something else that you were saying earlier. I was trying to take enough notes while you were talking, but um, we'll I'll will we'll come back to it. But it was just um, that uh, some of that just. Well, let me know your thoughts on what we were just talking about there, and then I'll get back to that point.
0: Yeah. No. I and you're once you once you recognize that you're not sacrificing profits, you you're go. actually going to increase profits. And once we like this is from from personal experience and then I brought into the companies that we work with and the executives that we work with. Once you kind of see the the byproduct of executing in that way or training your yourself and your leadership group to expand the level of awareness, to understand human psychology, to understand how we are made up, to understand the most sophisticated computer that's, in, you know, in between our two ears. Once you understand how it works, it all begins to make sense. And you're like it it is an impossibility that we're going to get the best out of our people that we're going to bring them to their fullest potential if they don't know how to emotionally stabilize themselves, right? If they don't know how to lead themselves emotionally, if they can find that inner peace, if they can't come from a bigger perspective, if they're not inspired by a common purpose and a mission, if they don't feel recognized, seen, valued, if they're not given the opportunity to contribute, if they're not given the the opportunity to, to, to feel trusted and to grow, you will never get the best out of them because they will be working through a contracted state of being a very much like go 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 perform 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 and that creates a lot of tightness and when you are in the stress response when you're operating from the survival brain you can't be creative you cannot be the you know the most collaborative version and outpouring version of you because you're busy running around from you know running away from internal lions and tigers you're going to go very much into a silo and so when you begin to connect the science part of things and say, in order for us to thrive as an organization, each and every member needs to thrive because what is an organization? It's the collective, you know, um, you know, pieces of all of its individuals operating at a higher level. And if they operate at a higher level, so will the organization. And when you kind of break it down to say the old way of looking at things where you push, 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 motivate from, you know. you know, know, from the outside in threaten and, you know, create an unsafe environment, external environment that feels unsafe, then you might get some sort of short-term success, but it will pale in comparison to what you will get in terms of success when you create a different type of environment that is based on, you know, compassion, caring, empathy, trust, recognition, value, you know um, togetherness oneness when you have a bigger pur- bigger purpose and if you can teach your executive team or your leadership core how to create those states inside of them how do we, how do we, can they manage you know their internal state no matter what the externals look like and if they can create an internal state that they are in more or less in, in control of where they can be more resilient more calm bigger pictured self-aware empathetic to what's happening around them and to what other people are feeling, then they become better leaders and better leaders lead, you know, through through uh, influencing others in a positive way, not in a negative way. So you're creating an environment where the byproduct of that is going to be success. And once you put the science together and, and once you understand what, you know, human performance is all about, and, and once you understand what, you know, human potential is all about and how do we maximize on that and actually what truly makes people happy which is the you know the ability or the opportunity to evolve and contribute if if organizations get that and they put that into place the byproduct of that is more profits accelerator profits mm. and so when we bring that to them and now like i mean when i started this 10 years ago you know i would talk about this but the science wasn't really back, you know it wasn't really there Now I can go in and say, hey, by the way, when your brain (laughs) is operating from stress and survival, your output is like this, so small. But, and now we can heat map your brain. And we know what parts of your brain get turned on and get turned off whenever you're inspired. And we also know what, what happens when you can emotionally regulate by yourself and you can be mindful and present and come from a space of compassion and caring and gratitude. We know what happens inside your biology. We know what happens inside your neurochemistry. We know how you be, your state of being shifts, and if you're going to outpour outpour to your fullest potential as a leader, you need to know how to access access these states of being. And so, everything is changing. That you know, like right now, like I'm so blessed to be doing the work that I do, and with my team and with my partner, we're so blessed to be bringing these teachings and these coachings and these tools to to so many people, and, and then to get to see the feedback of how they are personally and individually thriving. You know, all the components within the company are thriving as people, as human beings, but then so is the company, you know? And so are their clients because the people are engaging with their clients in a much more open, loving, caring, compassionate, empathetic way. That's what I meant by you make it into something that is a, a process of love. You know, you love yourself, you love what you do. You love your product. You love your service. You care about your client. You care about making the world a better place. And when you, when you're, a, and the only way that you can actually and honestly do that is if you do your inner work to get out of the survival and stress response, out of that neediness, you know, out of that space of unhappiness. That's the only way that you can genuinely care for someone else is when you are okay, when you have e- enough then you can pour, then you can outpour and contribute. If I'm an, inhabiting a state of not enoughness, lack and scarcity and I need more and I'm not happy, a state of competition, you know, the negative type of competition, you can fake caring about your people, you can mm-hmm. fake caring about the world, you can fake caring about your client, but it's not genuine. And because it's not genuine, it, it won't resonate. It, it's gonna be fake. And sooner or later, that's gonna bite you in the ass.
1: It is now. It's how hel- not not us, but I'm saying that's there's a lot right. of there's a lot of external constructs that are actually falling. Like I mean, yes. they're fa- uh, it's it's actually and it's interesting because as I talk to different people in different industries, it's sweeping industries right now. Yes, all, yes. all across them. Uh, the, the best part is that no um nothing is immune. Uh, you know, there's the physical level with the virus, and then I say that there's the energetic level of what it's actually doing, and it's sweeping across the things that um were attacked to more of the. Um, the material and and they were attached to more of the you know the fake and it was attached like those things are being wiped and some some that are not because I, I don't I would never generalize for those that like you know look they have good businesses and but there's a sweeping that is taking place right now of of the things that w- did have a little bit more of a, a, a house of cards built or it was built as a house of cards and, and that's why they're falling
0: yeah it was just built you know, without without any type of judgment, it was built on scarcity, on a model of scarcity, on a model of survival, on a model of not enough, on a model of more, on a model of separation, me versus someone or something else, right? And so, when we're coming, when we are predominant, you know, when we are working through um, this, the 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 reptilian brain, which Kind of operates seventy five percent of the time without us even knowing it because we're kind of hard, uh, you know, we're, we're hardwired that way. And unless we kind of wake up to that and do our work and, and, and train our minds to get off of that, you know, reactive type of response where we're looking um, how how can I get right? Right. And when we do when we do our own work and we re when we rewire our brain, reprogram our brain when, when we question some of our. Um, paradigms and our perspectives and our lenses, when we do that work, you will come to that, you know, epiphany, or you will see that the world is, has been constructed that way most often than not. And so that's why it's crumbling because anything that's based through high entropy is going to crumble. Just a matter of time. The more stress there is, the more pulling apart there is, the more division there is, the more. Unhealthy competition th- there is. The more that I see you as as an enemy, and I need to protect myself f- from you or get something from you, how long can a system like that last? And so I completely am in alignment with what you're saying. The virus that we're experiencing is the shitstorm that has come our way that has the potential to get us to look at you know you know be, you know be behind the curtain and kind of say what have we been doing wrong individually and collectively it's giving us the opportunity to kind of see the shit float on top and say you know what some of the frameworks that we've been working with some of the systems that we've created aren't really really authentic and genuine they're not in the service of everyone they're yes. in the service of a few at the expense of the many Amen, and i think man. that's what we're kind of seeing now and and so entrepreneurs and again with no judgment right entrepreneurs systems frameworks that 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 are operating from the old paradigm
1: old brands are going
0: yeah (laughs) the old brains yeah yeah, yeah, exactly you know or brands yeah Yeah. those are the ones that are going to feel the stress Mm -hmm. the other ones that can kind of say hey wait a minute this is an opportunity it's a shitstorm. i get it but you know what maybe i'm going to learn something here maybe i'm going to have you know i'm going to get the opportunity to do things differently maybe if i do a little bit of introspection, the way that I've been running my life and running the show and running my company, no matter, you know, maybe it it wasn't in alignment with my heart and and my soul. I kind of knew it deep down inside. There was always this feeling of unease that was heading in the wrong direction, but the train was going so fast that I couldn't stop it. So I was like, kind of like, but now the train hit the wall, just like my life hit the wall in 2008. And I got to, from my breakdown, I got to kind of look at things from a different perspective and just ask myself some bigger questions. I think we, we, we can, if we use this opportunity, to ask bigger questions of ourselves, of our society, of our culture, of, you know, entrepreneurship, of, you know, the way that we run the show.
1: Boom, amen. I mean, it's it really is a beautiful time of opportunity, um, and it's usually where some of the greatest new decisions and innovations will be set forth for years to come because of how massive this is. And I th- and I, I love that we said, like, and you know, all the shit kind of float to the top. I, I kind of was saying that, yeah, I was like, Mother Earth was kind of like saying, look, I'm tired of all of you people complaining and using excuses and the systems and this and that. And you were saying like, oh, I just couldn't tell what he or she was up to or what they were this. And I felt like Mother Earth was just like, I'm just going to open everything up and be like, look, you can see <laughs> yeah. everything. You could see their character, everybody's character, everybody's behavior, where they're at evolutionary wise, where, how are they feeling? What are they thinking? everything you can see it all from now on from this point right now you should be able to make better decisions knowing that the data is all right in front of you <laughs> it's just all yeah. right there just take a look observe just- <laughs> take it in you know <laughs> so where where can everybody find out about you
0: uh well upliftedlife.com is the um, the website that they can visit um we have a pretty good presence on facebook Um, so they can, the best place I would say was reach out on Facebook, Uplifted Life. You can, you can find us there. We have a great community that's growing. I think we're close to 240,000 followers. Um, amazing people, amazing community. Um, we are now kind of expanding and I know Matt, you've been talking to me about this for the, you know, since the moment that we've met, but I am expanding, uh, you know, um, putting my attention more on all the other social media platforms, and now with the great shift, it's like, oh, huh, now we get the opportunity to kind of say, you know what, let's let's touch people's lives through the platforms that are given to us. And what a blessing that we have the opportunity to bring our gifts, our skills, our message to as many people as possible um, in the way that we're doing it now with the, um, with the social media platform. So we're going to be exploring and expanding uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. But the best place is Facebook.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... um I appreciate you coming back or coming on the show. And I I was going to ask you, um, I would like you to come back on um, maybe even sooner than later, just because I think that uh, you're, you're one of the, categories i put into essential <laughs> you know? but uh, but i always i welcome every every person back onto the show um one because it's a journey driven podcast and two because the journey never ends and three just because i love my guests so i i, I want you to know you can come back on anytime and um you know i'm grateful for you and yeah you know it's it's so interesting some of the conversations that we had so many years ago and like now actually seeing them all around us and what that, what they mean for us and for others and, and as we work through all this stuff um, you know, so, so much opportunity more than ever. Um, and, and so much more opportunity, like, it, it's interesting to me watching as people go, you know, again, you and I were joking before we started about like, you know, is this what you're doing with online and this and that? I'm like, yeah. Like, and they're like, <laughs> I can teach like in like as many countries as possible. I'm like, yeah, bing, <laughs> you know, I was like, exactly. you know, but, but I love seeing, because you get to see their passions be like, oh, wait a minute. I'm like, there it is. And they, and they can see how much further than before that they were able to do things. It's just that they were tackling something that seemed a little scary like technology. And I'm like, it only seems scary until you start doing the work. And then all of a sudden you're like, this isn't so bad like everything else. So, uh, yeah. but uh, I'm grateful for you. Um, and, you know, thank you so much. And, and kick back just for a second, you know, because I want to yep. talk with you here for a second offline. But for everybody listening, Costa's is enough. You can find him on Facebook. Upliftedlife.com. Um, he's got an incredible community. I remember when he was It's just... Well, I, I met him when the community was having a fast trajectory, but it was still newer-ish. Uh, but um, he's been at it for quite some time and uh, just a very uh, amazing human being. And I, I really appreciate and respect all the work that he's consistently shown up for doing and then how many um, entrepreneurs and executives and people around the world that he's been helping. Um, and you don't have to be an entrepreneur or an executive just so you're you are aware of this to connect with him. He's approachable. You can literally email the guy. Uh, just be respectful, as I always tell everybody. Um, but uh, thank you for being on the show, and uh, and for everybody listening. Thank you for for following and for all of the ratings and reviews. Uh, for Costa Steinoff, for myself, Matt Gosman, and the hustle sold separately. We are out.